Hi, I'm Jory. I am playing Captain Shayna Silver, the pilot, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Eli. I play Clara, the mechanic, and it's good to be here. Hello, I'm Jordan. I'm playing Leo Vance, the scoundrel, and it is good to be here. Hi, I'm Jillian. I'm playing November 7, the Stitch, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm the GM. 13 satellites, and its small size and lack of natural resources meant the hegemony showed up, deployed standard mid-range terraforming, and fucked off to somewhere better. There's one primary settlement, also called Calliope, with a population of less than 2,000. Generators help support basic functions, high-quality atmo, farming, water systems, reaching roughly five clicks out from the center of town. Past that, it's rocky, lifeless moon with shit-tier oxygen supply the perfect place for some dastardly criminals to do their business away from prying eyes. In one such quiet spot on Calliope's surface, a small ship is parked behind a bluff, and Fang, the captain of the ship, is dealing with his least favorite problem, insubordination. The insubordinate in question is a teenage girl, she can't be older than 17, kneeling in the dirt with her hands and feet bound. Fang, who is the captain of this ship, glowers down at you and steps forward, his boots kicking up little clouds of dust as he does. He's holding a blaster outstretched and pointing it directly at your face. In his other hand, he has a little spray can and he takes a moment to spray a quick squirt in his mouth. You see his eyes roll back in his head for a second and he smiles down at you. It's not a friendly smile. He says, I'm gonna ask you one more time. Where is it? I don't know what you're talking about. Shut the fuck up! Behind Fang, Bliss, his second in command, leans against the hull of the ship. She is a tall, thin woman with long blonde hair that she wears in a long braid. She's been the only person, Clara, who has been kind to you at all in your time aboard this ship. And as you stare up at Fang, down the barrel of his blaster, Bliss steps forward and puts a hand on his shoulder. Bliss says, Just calm down. The kid doesn't have it. There's no need to do this. We need to get going. Fang doesn't like being told there's no time. And he flips the blaster in his hand deftly so that he's holding the end. And he smacks you hard in the face with the butt of it. You take uh, lesser harm. And you should mark that on your sheet. Call it something like bruised face. Okay, I have bruised face. Yeah, you feel a flush of heat across your face, Clara, and Fang laughs a little bit at your startled expression before he flips the gun around and he says, I don't like being lied to and I don't appreciate having my time wasted. Would Clara, yeah, let's do it. Clara spits at him. I don't really like having my time wasted either and you have me doing such boring, easy shit. I could do it right now with my hands and my feet tied. Fang charges at you in the dirt 
and Bliss wastes no time. She grabs him around the midsection and pulls him down into the dirt just before he's about to jam the gun up onto the underside of your chin. She grabs it from his hand and she looks down at him with contempt in her eyes. She says, You've been tweaking, man. You're not making good calls. Get back on board. We have to go meet Saito. Fang stumbles to his feet. He looks down at you and he lets loose a colorful stream of curses as he staggers back into the ship's hold. Bliss looks down at you with a mixture of annoyance and pity, Clara. Like I said, she's the only one who has treated you with any amount of patience or kindness, and it seems like you haven't done much to repay the favor. She says, There's no point killing you in the dirt here. It's not blood I need on my hands. If we ever see you around this part of the sector again, it's good night. I know you know that. Said I didn't have it, Bliss. Sure, kid. Whatever you say. Have a nice walk. She slings the blaster into her belt holster and she gets on board the ship. And after a minute, the engine roars into life. It rises up, breaks Atmel, headed off to parts unknown. Clara, for a moment, you are alone in this lifeless, barren desert on this shitty, shitty moon. And a familiar beep flickers to life. From behind a rock flies your personal Urbot, Jeeves. In his little grabber claw, he is holding a strange little piece of technology. (laughs) It looks like a flash drive, except it's closer to about six inches long. It's made with the same brassy substance common to all precursor artifacts, and you could swear that the circuit-like patterns etched into its surface occasionally pulse with emerald green light just out of the corner of your eye. Jeeves drops it at your feet, chirps, and begins to cut through the rope that's tying you up. Thanks, Jeeves. All I'm saying is, if they were the type of people who would have believed me when I said I didn't have it, maybe I would have given it back. I know, and he had the worst B.O. Claire, you stand up, and you dust yourself off, you pick up the artifact that's caused you so much trouble, and you start your long walk towards the only civilization on the surface of this moon. In the town of Calliope, is where the rest of you find yourselves, laying low after the last job you completed as the crew of the Houndstooth. I'd like to start with our captain, Shayna Silver. Shayna, part of laying low after a job, of course, means probably indulging some of your vices in order to reduce the stress that has built up over your dangerous missions. What kinds of things have the crew been up to in the past couple of days as you've been hanging out on Calliope? I think Shayna, um, when she felt like they were going to stay here for a few days, um, hit up the local pub and has found a nice comfy bar stool there to hang out in the evenings. How about Leo and November? Of course, you're welcome to hang out with me. I would love that, in fact. Shayna pats the <laughs> bar stool next to her. <laughs> I mean, you said this was a, a shitty moon, so I don't imagine they have much um, in the way of, like, exciting food. I don't think any of the stars in this sector of the galaxy are Michelin. Yeah. Because <laughs> <so. laughs> um, that's that's uh, November's vice. She would hang out with the crew. Uh, She's not like a heavy drinker or anything, but um, they're always down to hang out. Leo, as much as the next intergalactic traveler, enjoys seeing the bottom of a 
of a bottle, so he would be at the bar from time to time. I guess something of note, he would be at, at least a couple occasions, depending on how long they're there, kind of on the outskirts of the city, uh, basically doing a sketch of the landscape in a small little notebook that he keeps on his person a lot of the time. An artistic soul. I love that. He's not very good, but he's seen a lot. And somewhere along that line, he decided to start trying to, perhaps as a form of therapy for himself, document those things in journal entries and sketches. Okay. We love a man in therapy. Men will literally go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) And they should. (laughs) That's the end of the sentence. Um, (laughs) Shana, you wake up in the room you rented at a bar hotel called The Lucky Fish. It is the morning you are set to leave Calliope and move on and start looking for work in more populated parts of the sector. When you wake up, you feel, you know, fairly gross. I think you were probably at the bar stool last night and uh, your recollections might be a little bit hazy around the edges. And you can't shake the feeling when you wake up that something is mm, a little bit off. Can I know what Shayna looks like as she gets up out of her bed and starts her kind of morning routine? Yeah. Drop the skincare, as is your as is your want. Shayna does not have a vigorous skincare routine. Jory's changing the game. Jory's getting versatile. Jory's getting that chameleon actress. Play against type here. (laughs) She is tall, she is pretty like buff, and Likes to do stuff like dye her hair quite a bit. Right now, it is a sh- kind of a gaudy shade of red with blunt bangs, and she is in the process of trying to grow that out. She wears very utilitarian clothes, so today maybe it's just like a pair of cargo pants and a t-shirt. I think she'll go order some breakfast from the uh, barkeep and try and remember whatever happened last night. I think the two of you, Leo and November, are probably already downstairs. I think Shayna slept in a little bit. Um, what's going on? What's the vibe in the bar room of the Lucky Fish this morning? Coffee is in the pot. How about uh, uh, knowing that Shayna is a bit slept in, uh, I, got a, I got a cup ready for you. November would probably take the opportunity to ask you how you're feeling. We're pals. Are you also... My patient? Uh, I do believe so. Leo has these um, now noticeable implants that protrude from certain parts of his, his, his body. They were perhaps outfitted for when he was a larger man. And now since being not eating as much and not being perhaps as healthy as he once was, the skin's kind of just warped around these implants. And so they're more, more noticeable outside of predominantly his arms. And they cause him great pain from time to time because it's, it's now outdated tech, but it's also very unique tech that not a lot of people know how to deal with. And so it's almost, I guess the sensation would be like detoxing, like headaches, dizziness, um, as well as pain where obviously the actual skin is. And so November is is very much a uh, close confidant of, of Leo because in a lot of ways, um, both personally and professionally, that's, that's his lifeline. What else does Leo look like other than a person with protruding start from the protuberances and work your way in leo is a older man um in terms of general clothing uh they're all for when he was a younger man he doesn't really buy much new clothes so a lot of his clothes are in tatters and 
have holes in them, both from just use as well as the same thing with these implants. Um, he's 40s, 50s, he, he's up there, so he's got a graying beard, graying hair. Um, at this point, I'd say that they're both getting rather disheveled and slight curly. He's uh, he's 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 also a, a taller fellow. Like he's he's probably like six two ish. Um, just a, a gentle giant. Posture slightly slouched now these days. Uh, constantly a little bit a little bit forward, especially when we're sitting at a table. Uh, November is noticeably shorter than Shayna and Leo. They are kind of a soft, round person. They have light blue, shaggy hair. It's not dyed. It is just that color. Some genetic mutation from living on a shitty mining moon. Are there any good moons in this galaxy? Oh, yeah. I don't know. You just can't afford them. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of built like a rugby player and a mom. Rugby mom. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Gender is rugby mom. Yeah, usually on the ship they're wearing like a kind of Star Trek inspired uh, doctor uniform, which is like a kind of bodycon dress situation. I think when they're off on like leave like this, just hanging out in town, then they just wear like comfy loungewear. I'd love to capture like a little bit of this this dialogue as um, Shane is coming to join you at the table and November is talking to Leo about um, his condition. So how are you feeling? Lower back's bothering more than anything else these days. Um, I don't know what to tell you, November. It just doesn't seem to be getting too much better. Maybe uh, we am due for a massage. You know, if there's any in town, probably not. Probably not here, no. Yeah, not on this piece of shite moon, that's for sure. Well, then I guess for now it's just pain meds and more pain meds. Yeah, I really do wish there was more I could do for you. Well, you do plenty for me already, November, so don't you don't you worry about that. Yeah, well, the medication's not a cure. But it works for now. Oh, hey, would you have a look? Who is descending the stairs right now? Hey, Captain! Not so loud, please. Do you have a one, two... Five too many last night? <laughs> Maybe not quite enough. I um, plop down next to you two and gratefully take the coffee. How are we doing this morning? Doing fine over here. I think November puts their hand like on your forehead. It's like, hmm. Hangover <laughs> again. I'm sorry. It's terminal this time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, good. I'll just go upstairs and perish. <laughs> Yeah, Captain, <laughs> I don't think you'll make it through today. I think that's it for you. Well, we're supposed to be leaving today, so I gotta get good enough to drive. Shana, your eyes snap open. You realize what is the strange off feeling that you've had since you woke up. As soon as you mentioned that you're leaving today and that you've got to get ready to drive, you realize that the keys to the ship's ignition aren't in your front left pocket where they always are. I think I, like, put my head in my hands and I say, do either of you know where I put the keys? Uh, I, I look to November, raise an eyebrow, then look back to you. Well, were you alone last night? Was I alone last night? Probably you saw most of the crew at various points throughout the evening. You remember getting to a long conversation with Sido Cast, your current mechanic. Uh, he wanted to come here to procure some uh, exotic parts to be used on the ship. And he was asking you for more time here, but you told him that you had to leave the next day. 
Maybe Saito swiped him. He wanted to visit some junkyard or something. Are you telling me Saito's going for a joyride? Uh, I don't really remember what he said, but I don't know. He wanted some stupid part. Well, should we go check out the ship then? See if it's where we left it? I down the rest of the coffee and get up to go. Yeah, I should hope you do. I mean, this is um urgent, right? You don't have the keys to your ship, which is your sole source of income, your home most days of the year, and uh, where Leo keeps his uh, Nintendo 64, Space Nintendo 64, in the break room. You all depart from the Lucky Fish, and you make a beeline for the shipyard where the Houndstooth, your ship, was parked. Unfortunately, luck is not on your side, and it seems as though the ship is nowhere to be found. However, I think that one of you, who has the highest insight score? I have none. I have one rig. I have two doctor, one study for a total of three. I think it's November. November, you are at the shipyard with uh, your captain, Shayna, and Leo, of course, and the houndstooth is not where it was parked the night before. I mean, again... Can't emphasize it enough. Catastrophic. All of your shit is on there, and it's like you're everything. Uh, the shipyard is a, a kind of irregular grid of different landing pads for ships, um, but sprawling up on all sides around it is a sort of makeshift ad hoc market, right? People who get right off their shift want to deliver stuff immediately. They want to buy and sell goods. Not all of them are going to stay long enough to warrant taking a room at a place like the Lucky Fish. So it's crowded. It's bustling. There's an exchange of languages, of goods, and um, a little bit of chaos as clouds of moon dust are kicked up everywhere and between two clouds of moon dust november you catch a glimpse of saito cast he is a tall tall skinny fella he wears these kind of douchey wraparound sunglasses and his hair is like bleached white and spiked up he looks like he was auditioning to be an extra in the matrix 25 years ago and uh, you catch uh, a glimpse of him darting between a couple of stalls and making his way to another ship that is parked not too far from where the houndstooth is supposed to be. Son of a bitch. That way. Shayna will immediately run up to Saito and grab him and be like, where is my ship? I'm going to ask you to make a scramble roll, Shayna. Scramble. Um, can you remind me what I'm doing? I'll remind you and the listeners. We're playing Scum and Villainy, which is based around kind of D6 dice pools, and you are making what's called an action roll, one of the most common rolls in the game. We're going to do it all the time. So you are going to roll 1D6 for every dot that you have filled in next to the skill of Scramble. So if there's two triangles filled in, you're going to roll 2D6. Got nothing. Okay. So if you have no dice, then you would roll 2D6 and take the lesser, like disadvantage in TNT 5e, but... Before you do that, um, there are lots of ways in Scum and Villainy to get more dice to roll with. That's a key component of the game, right? So one way you could get extra dice is if you push yourself. That means your character is going to take on some stress, which is potentially something that could cause problems for them later down the road, for the trade-off that they get additional dice to roll. You can also take what's called a devil's bargain, which means that I kind of make an offer for you about a risky trade-off that would be worth the extra die. Uh I, I don't think a devil's bargain is particularly apt here, but your other kind of option would be to spend a gambit. A gambit is just like a special all-purpose bonus that the whole crew shares a pool of at the start of each mission. 
because you're scrappy space heroes, you always get a chance to bring in an extra die just for sheer pluck. I think that you guys have three gambits uh, per mission because Leo grants you an additional one from his scoundrel character. Is that right? Yes. Uh, we start with plus one when the pool resets for the scoundrel ability. Yeah. So you guys, every crew starts with two and then you guys have an additional plus one from Leo being just so lucky. Um, so those are the options you have in this instance, Jory. You can push yourself or you can spend a gambit to add additional dice to your pool to roll. I might push myself because I'm mad. Okay. <laughs> I should think so, yeah. So you're going to add another die, and because you had zero before, you were going to do the disadvantage thing. Now you're just doing one die, just regular. Mm-hmm. And make sure you mark down two stress on your stress tracker. And if you do hit nine stress, your face breaks out. It's really not good. And the big dance is tomorrow. Oh, God. This is why you need a skincare routine, and I picked the wrong game to not yeah. have one. This game is about people with acne. <laughs> <laughs> First and foremost. I roll one dice. And what is a success? Four or above. Four or above. So I got a two. Sure. This was a, a risky move with a standard effect. I think, Shayna, you see a little bit of red when Sido catches your vision over in the market of the shipyard. This guy just waltzed away, you're pretty sure, with your ship's key, and uh, your ship is nowhere to be seen anymore. So you go charging after him, and I think your lack of stealth in this regard gives away your position fairly easily. Sido immediately turns. You can see his bleached white eyebrows shoot up his head when he sees you, and he just ducks and starts sprinting and weaving through these market stalls like he's been doing it his entire life. Um, After a certain point, when you get close enough to him, you reach behind a rug that's been pinned up for display, and you come face to face with Fang, who you don't know but who is a tall, broad, fun, colorful-looking guy with uh, unkempt hair, a wild beard, clothes that are slightly tattered, um, and piercing eyes that stared into your soul, which would be horrifying if he wasn't also aiming a blaster at your face. Um, But he is, and he grins broadly, and he says, Hi, Captain. Whoa, 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 whoa. I put my hands up. I'm not looking for you. Hi. Who are you? I guess you're not really a captain anymore, are you, anyway? <laughs> oh, God. Be scary. I inch my hands down. I'm sorry, who are you? He doesn't seem to notice you moving your hands. He says, uh, <laughs> you were chasing after uh, our little Sido, but I couldn't let you catch him today because we've got a, a tight schedule. You understand places to be, so <laughs> we have to get going. Uh, we'll be making our way out, though. He starts backing up, uh, and you can see that he is not far from a ship that is covered in the dust of Calliope's surface. On the uh, the hangar ramp that's descended, a woman with long blonde hair in a braid sulks against one of the struts, crossing her arms and beckons. Sido and Fang back into the interior of the ship. Can I have like a cool hand signal I do to like signal to Leo to like start blasting him? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, what has Leo been doing when he saw his captain kind of take off into this market? I would like to say that like if it's really busy, that it's one of those things I see what's happening. I saw this unfold. Uh, I'm just like pushing mm-hmm. through people. He's a larger individual. 
uh, or at least taller. So I probably see over people, see this happen, and I'm doing the classic, you know, trying to get through the market. As it's happening, especially if I see this this signal to then just kind of get, break into a sprint. Gun set to pew. Drawn? I think so, yeah. I see that and I, I read the situation and I, I shoot one into the air to hopefully clear the crowd more and, and expedite my, my way in pursuit. I think I would ask you to make a command roll. Uh, okay, I'll take one stress. Take two stress for one okay, die. I'll take two. Oof, two. Guys, stop rolling so bad. Leo, you draw your, your blaster and you fire into the air and it has, you know, the intended effect of getting people's attention. Uh, unfortunately, the crowd at the port is not smart or aware enough to really clear properly. A lot of people who don't know what's going on are more running towards you than away from you. If anything, the chaotic soup of people trundling about just gets thicker. When they lock eyes with you and your gun, they turn and run tail, but there's a few seconds times a few people that keep happening to it. You're pretty much cut off from where Shayna and Fang and Saito are. November, what is your kind of place in this high-octane space action scene? November is surprisingly scrappy. I, I, I do have scramble, and I am good at it. Um, so I would like to say that I am also sprinting towards Sido with the keys. Mm-hmm. What's your intention? To, like, tackle him. And wrestle the keys out of his hands. Okay, so I will uh, ask you to make a scramble roll to see how that resolves. Can I spend a gambit? Yeah, we have three. You go right ahead. Okay. Um, one of them is a five. Excellent. All right. Um, you're going to succeed, but you're also going to suffer a consequence. And I think it's going to be pretty straightforward. I think, November, you charge forward through the market stall and you attempt to circle around and get behind uh, where Shayna is being accosted by this man. And you do, and you find yourself uh, behind someone's stall, and you think you have a pretty good sight line on Saito, who is kind of backing up towards the ramp to the ship, and you're pretty sure none of them have seen you. You are going to make a... uh, You want to tackle him, right, and get the key? Yes. I would ask for scrap in addition to this, yeah. Okay, I have one of those. Do you have a devil's bargain for me? I think you can tell that Fang, the person who is accosting Shayna, is um, pretty jumped up, perhaps on some fun space substances. You can see that Shayna is starting to reach slowly and try to get the drop on him. You know that if he hears a noise behind him, like you tackling Saito, he's going to fire and he's probably going to fire at Shayna. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna do it anyway. Yeah, hurt me. Um, I need we need a ship, and I will fix you later. One of them is a six. All right, a complete success. Excellent work. Does that mean I don't get hurt? Yeah, you you avoid the consequence. November, you take a deep breath, get ready, and then you charge out from behind the stall towards Saito where he's inching back towards the ramp of the ship. You leap onto him. He's a skinny little fella, and he goes down uh, pretty easily. In fact, you're pretty sure you hear something crunch underneath him. Fang, the gangster, shoots wildly when he hears the noise, but all he manages to do is burn a hole through a couple of canopy tents. He backs up 
and away from Shayna, who's probably still reaching for uh, a sidearm. November, you are on top of Sido, who is looking up at you, you think, from behind his weird, stupid sunglasses, as Leo manages to finally make through, make his way through the crowd and uh, emerge on the other side in front of you. The blonde woman who is standing on the ramp of the ship is uh, looking pretty upset, and you see her call back, to someone who's further on that you can't see, and the uh, engines of this ship start flickering to light. You can see that they have a piece of neon signage kind of crudely attached to the front of the ship. Uh, It reads, The Wreckers, and it starts to glow in deep red light as the engines come on and power floods through it. Um, The ship looks like it's ready to take off. Fang is backing up and looks like he's ready to fully leave Saito there if you guys want him so bad. What is the play? What do you do? Sorry, is this them stealing our ship or are they leaving on a different ship? They're leaving on a different ship. You don't know where your ship is. Okay, then I'll be just firing at him then. Okay, you would probably be rolling something like scrap. Okay. Six on the scrap. Jordan gets one. One gambit back to the pool. Good job. Give me a little bit of of, of flavor of you kind of coming out of this crowd and uh, getting this guy. He's already on the ramp at this point and it's starting to close up. I take cover behind, like, some type of merchant stand that has all kinds of weird, like, cured meats hanging. And I, like, I say, like, oh, pardon me to the, okay. the owner who is starts to freak out at me. But then these stray laser blasts come close to his head. And I pull him down behind me. And I say to him, like, fucking tweaker and just shoot at him. Leo, you... Uh, aim your blaster on the edge of this stall and you leave the wrecker ship with a few parting shots a a score of cigarette burns across the hull and the last one yes you see it make contact with fang's uh rib cage it looks like it it went in pretty close to some some vital bits and he starts screaming already in you know a little bit of uh an altered state um, his screams are high-pitched and chilling, and you want to move forward and maybe get another couple of shots, but the ship is starting to lift up, the ramp is starting to close. The last thing you see before it does are Fang's eyes, which you could almost say the irises have like a bit of a reddish, rusty tint to them, locking with you, Leo, as you make, uh, I would say, a pretty serious enemy. November has got Saito completely pinned. Shayna is checking to make sure that both of you are okay. And the Wrecker ship is taking off and jetting into the atmosphere without Saito completely. You've got him. Nice. Uh, I stand up from this stall, take a piece of uh, hanging meat and chew on it as I walk (laughs) over. Saito's writhing and sniveling under you. He is cradling his arm. You might have fractured it, or at least sprained it pretty heavily. Um, And you can see tears streaming out from under his dorky sunglasses. Shane is approaching. Leo's chewing the scenery. (laughs) Well, I think I'm just like sitting there because it's, you know, this is the captain's show. I'm just, I'm just sitting back now. Yeah, captain, it is your show. Oh, well, maybe I'll um, aim my blaster at him and ask, where did you take my ship? Saito is clenching his teeth in pain with his good arm. He points across the market stall up in the air, and you can see at a distance on the edge of town, there is a a building of some kind with large square walls that extend for a good amount, some kind of compound. And Saito says, Fang made me take it to the junk shop. It's probably scrapped by now anyway. Let me go. 
November, don't move for a sec, please. Leo, do you have any rope? I don't have rope handy. Uh, let's just go, I don't know. I'll take a ripped piece of canopy, bring it over. Thank you. Please tie our mechanic's hands behind his back and you, Saito, can take us to the ship. And also give me my keys. I don't have the keys. I gave them to the to Ryle. Well, take me to Ryle and I'll get my keys from them. Thank you. Uh, what do you want me to do? Just ask him nicely? Fang has the money. You can ask nicely. We'll try that first and then we'll play it from there. <laughs> okay. I think, honestly, cut to Saito asking nicely, <laughs> which is you are at the exterior gate of Ryle's Reclamation, which is probably one of the bigger businesses on this moon. And it's a massive junkyard with high, secure walls on all four sides. Um, beyond, you can see a couple of piles of uh, mechanical pieces and ship parts that are towering even over the height of the walls. There is an intercom at the front gate. And when you press it, and maybe with a little force, <laughs> move Saito's head towards it, he says, um, hear about the ship. Uh, can I have it back? Say please. Please? Can I have the ship back? The voice comes through and it says uh, with a sneer, well, can I have my money back? Actually, can I have my money and my time and effort back? Can you undo the laws of time in the universe to restore things to their previous state? Or is that beyond your capabilities? Saito rolls his eyes and looks up at you, Shayna. Well, can you? Yeah. <laughs> Saito raises his head and smacks it against the intercom in despair. <laughs> What do you want to do with him? What do I want to do with him? I don't want to let him go because I'm angry. Kill him. I don't want to kill him because... You could, like, turn him in. He's a criminal. Is that something Shayna would do? No, I wouldn't do that. I didn't. I wouldn't want to, like, work with the authorities in that way. No snitch. Um, I think I'm going to press the intercom and say, hello. He, um, hmm, mistakenly sold you a ship last night. Can you tell me a little bit about what happened there? A little bit about what happened? Yeah. It's this new thing called selling stuff. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> I just wanted information about how it went down, but whatever. All right, what can I do for you to get my ship back? Why don't you fuck off for 70, 75 years, and then we'll, we'll talk after that. What do you need? I'm sure there's something. The voice on the other end of the intercom grows bored and impatient, and it says, we're closed. All right. And the line goes dead. Is this like a fortress? It's probably one of the better built things on this moon. After you visit Ryle's reclamations and he shuts you down, Shayna, you presumably head back to your lodgings. What are you going to do with Saito? I don't want to murder him, but I also don't want to let him go. I think, like, there's, like, the whole criminally code thing of, like, I think he knows that he owes us. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's, like, strike a deal with him so that he won't, like, betray us again. And that deal will be, I will not murder you. Okay, talk to me about this deal, uh, Shayna. I think this is, uh, I want to linger on this because I think it's an important part of understanding the captain and, like, discipline. I do think it's um, walking out... A little bit into the desert, uh, kicking him down 
and taking like a few things he needs, like maybe his weapons and stuff, mm-hmm. pointing the gun at his chest and say, so you're not going to do this again, eh? He looks up at you. I think one thing you've taken is his wraparound sunglasses. Absolutely. Um, and <laughs> I've given it to November or Leo to wear if they would like. I don't want them. Your, your spoils of war. Yeah, some fucking bad cyberpunk cosplay. <laughs> I didn't want them either. <laughs> uh, all that to say that I think taking the sunglasses off definitely uh, moves him from kind of enigmatic douchebag to sniveling pathetic douchebag. Uh, he stares up at you with milky blue eyes and he says, um, I wasn't, uh, Fang just told me what to do. I, he's my boss. I, I'm not going to bother. I don't have anything. I got nothing against you guys. Yeah, well, we have something against you now. So you're going to make a little home on this little moon and we're not going to see you again? No, 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 <laughs> never again. Why do I believe that? Why do I believe you? Is it just like, a, if I see you again, like, you're dead? It's on site, get Janice. Leo, in recognizing this, like, lifestyle and how little this word means, um, turns to the captain and is like, Captain, I, I, I know this, this type, you know, slap on the wrist isn't going to do here. You saw what he did, you know, and we gave him a little bit. We just let him walk away here with... Uh, He's just going to be more trouble down the line. It's not really worth it. So what are you saying? Well, I'm not proud of this, but back in the day, you know, we'd blast a finger or two off, some type of reminder of, you know, he stole from us. Uh, you don't have to go that severe. Or you can. Just saying, you know, look at the guy. He doesn't even look sorry. If you want to do it, go be my guest. I go up to him. I put, I put the blaster. I tell him, put your, put your hand right around here, around the barrel. Look him in the eye. And so that both uh, both the fingers are like over the barrel and I just pull the trigger. You leave him a reminder and you leave Sido cast uh, crying and screaming a little bit in the desert as you make your way back to town. When you do, you have a few problems ahead of you. The first being, of course, your ship impounded in Ryle's Reclamation Junkyard. The second being your lack of a mechanic to help maintain that ship when you do get it back. And the third being a little bit of a commotion when you get back to your lodging at the Lucky Fish. The bartender is yelling at a teen girl who is covered in dirt. She has uh, bruising all across her face. What does Clara look like, Eli? Uh, Clara's super short and skinny. She is um, not well fed, maybe partially because she's had like a scrappy upbringing and maybe partially because she just is, you know, she can get kind of like obsessive about her hobbies and interests and food is just not as important to her. She has big bags under her eyes or at least like big dark circles. You can tell she's just perpetually tired and she has a big mane of, of long black hair that goes, I guess, down to her butt and it's kind of like a cloud around her. It, protects her he's telling her that he's not going to rent her a room for free because these kinds of things cost money it's a little bit of an uncomfortable silence when you enter the bars he stops berating her and he looks over at you and he says uh are you checking out today i think we might need another night you got cred do i got cred for a night okay do i have cred for an extra room you probably can't afford an extra room no claire's gonna say there's three of you so you probably don't even have just the one room, right? Uh, I squat down. 
You look like trouble. She puts a hand out to you to shake it, and she says, No, my name's Clara. Uh, okay. I, I, reach out, shake your hand. Clara. You notice that Leah's hand, when he reaches out to shake it, has, like, patches of chrome peeking through on the knuckles. Clara pulls your sleeve back without permission. So with the one hand she's shaking, and the other hand she pulls your sleeve up to look at your chrome. And then she just starts, like, spewing technical terms, being very interested, honestly, like, already tinkering with your arm and is like, you know, I bet I could help with this if you let me sleep on the bed tonight. What makes you think that you could help with this? She starts explaining, like, I know exactly that this is an E25-5 model, and I know that you probably have a lot of trouble fixing it and finding other people who have even seen this kind of tech. Leo looks uh, at you more seriously and goes, okay, but this is actually an E23, so it's a bit older than even what you think. Huh, I guess I didn't realize how old you were. I bet you I could make something work with this. I get the bed, though. Uh, I stand and turn around. Captain, I like this kid. You like her enough to sleep on the floor? I can be useful in other ways. She takes out Jeeves. I don't know. What's an impressive thing for Jeeves to do? Exist. (laughs) Fair. Honestly, Urbots are pretty, uh, they're rare because they are precursor artifacts. And while you definitely all have seen them, encountered them before, it's usually in the possession of pretty wealthy or powerful people. A random teen girl on this desert outpost moon having one is both like impressive, but also like shocking and weird. Jeeves floats out behind me and the words hello flashes on his face. I'm happy to have her come with us, Captain, but uh, I think you guys all should respect your elders a little bit more here. Uh, how about when use sleeps on the floor? Shane, are you interested in, in what she said about being helpful to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out, do I want to sleep on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't say you have to sleep on the floor. I'm just saying that I'm going to sleep on the bed. I guess that's fair. <laughs> what? No, it's not. November being a doctor would let a beat-up teen girl sleep on a bed. <laughs> and November would also ask the barkeep for ice for that wicked bruise on her face. <laughs> How'd you get your hands on a Urbot like this? You don't happen to be a mechanic, do you? Yeah, you could say that. Mostly a hacker, but, you know, most ships these days aren't so much analog, so I guess mechanic is apt to just tinkering, I guess. Yeah, not all that strong, as you can see, so I had to have found some way to have survived, right? Huh, lucky for you, we need a mechanic. Trial run? Yeah, the trial will be help us get our ship, and then you got a place to sleep tonight. I think you could do better than that, maybe. You have a place to sleep tomorrow night. Now we're talking. You got an extra room on that ship of yours if I help get it back? You can have the old mechanic's room. It smells like axe. Oh, God. I'm out. (laughs) That's my deal breaker. Yeah, it's space axe. It smells like Elon Musk. Oh, Elon Musk. Triple layered, yeah, because of Musky. Thank you. I'll take the triple word score. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, Clara will stand up off this bar stool. Where she's not welcome anyway. Okay, show me the way. Well, first we have to go through the, like, make a plan. 
Scum and Villainy is built around like missions, right? And each session deals with like doing a mission. Normally, I think the game as written is like, you can pretty much just like do whatever shopping or whatever and then start the mission. That's where the game starts. Because we're doing more of like a storyline thing, I want the pre-mission stuff to be a little more colorful. So kind of what we just did would be an example of like, everyone gets chances to do stuff, have character beats, do some action. And now we're moving into the mission, which is like, the ship is in the junkyard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think up in your rooms at the Lucky Fish, you start figuring out what it is you want to do. So we are now in the planning phase. Not really planning. Don't think of it that way because Scum Villainy is not about making a concrete plan. It's about choosing a detail, right? We want just a single detail that illustrates how the plan is going to start off. And then we're just going to kind of roll from there. When we ever we need to detail things further, we can do things like use flashbacks or pull an item from our load. Uh, and in that way, we can kind of figure out what our plan was the whole time. What you need to pick is on the thing. And that is under planning and load. So, yeah. I was going to say, it's got to be an infiltration plan, right? I think so. Okay, yeah. so the detail I'm going to ask for is the entry point. I mean, we could just go through the front. Is there a back? Or well, I guess if um, we can hack their surveillance somehow. Clara says... I can probably take out the cameras, but I don't think people usually like it when we walk through the front door of stuff. That's what I've learned anyway. <laughs> take out cameras, go through the back door. Okay. Um, that's our detail. And you are also going to choose a load. Because you aren't at your ship and you don't have access to your typical equipment, I am going to, I think, mandate that everyone is taking a light load today, having a light lunch, a little a Cobb salad. Um, and so it says three probably under your thing for light uh, in the bottom right corner there. And you don't have to pick the items now. That's not what we do. Um, you just know you have three slots worth of things. And whenever you want to use an item, you're kind of it's kind of like wizard spells or whatever. It's like I have three things. I'm gonna I always had the detonator, the blaster, the whatever. Um, and so we're gonna infiltrate. And then the thing we are going to do is make an engagement roll. Yes. The engagement roll is a fortune roll, starting with 1D for sheer luck. Modify the dice pool for major advantages or disadvantages. Is this operation particularly bold or daring? Is it? Well, one thing I'll say, uh, one thing I'll offer you here is the guy, the, the junk store owner, Ryle, is not really affiliated with Fang or Saito or the Wreckers, which is like a gang and a faction. Um, he is just the person that they sold the ship to because they wanted easy cash, right? And the other thing I'll tell you is that the reason that there is a sizable junk shop on this moon that seems like reasonably well built and like solid is that Ryle is the brother of Mayor Ryle, who is the uh, the de facto ruler of Calliope. Um, so he has some connections, even perhaps to more uh, hegemony control. Very, very distant. We're still on like a backwater moon. But um, it so happens that the junk shop owner is probably like the second or third most powerful person on this moon of 3,000 people. Is it Boulder Daring? No. Like in the scheme of the things that we will be doing, I feel like this is not. I think that's fair. Uh, Is it overly complex or contingent on many factors? I don't really think so. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, Does this plan... Uh, expose a vulnerability of the target or hit them where they're weakest? I mean, yes. Yes. Do we have friends that can provide aid or insight or are there any enemies or rivals interfering in the operation? Maybe. So I think we are going to go with 2D for the engagement roll. Yeah, a one and a two. Time to suffer. I don't want to suffer. No. 
No one does. So what does that mean for us that we rolled badly exactly? It means that when we're going to cut straight into the action and the place that we're going to cut to is a place where you guys are desperate and kind of scrambling. Cool. It means this didn't go good. But it doesn't mean that the job's lost. It just means that you're at a disadvantage to start. So what I think happens when I make this engagement roll and it doesn't go super good is that you wait probably until afternoon or dusk and then you head around to the rear entrance of Ryle's Reclamation on the moon of Calliope. Uh, Leading the pack in front of you is the newest addition to your crew, a teenage girl named Clara. The back door uh, has, of course, several security cameras pointed at it and Clara... What do you tell me about your like hacking vibe a little bit here? Um, I think Jeeves is also my terminal. So he has this like, I don't know, tiny little camera projector thing that can go forward and make like a key, like a lasery keyboard for me. His face turns into the screen. (laughs) And it helps if I can jack into something, um, if I can like physically connect, it makes it easier. But uh, I can also remotely if that's not an option. So. I kind of tell them to fan out and maybe look for the equivalent of an aux cable. Yeah, Leo finds your your space HDMI cable and finds a, a place where he can kind of cover you and get uh, Jeeves' terminal in there. And Clara, you are a skilled hacker. You managed to get into the system and with a couple of deft keystrokes, you see one by one across the perimeter, the blinking red lights of the security cameras go dark. And then you hear a few seconds later, the uh, heavy kind of wheeze as the pressure lock on the back door dissipates and it starts to swing open a jar. And Clara is about to make a chipper kind of comment when the screen on Jeeves' face begins flooding with code that Clara did not type herself. She's receiving error messages. The door is unlocked, the cameras are off, but it looks like the breach into the security system has been detected. It's a bit more of a sophisticated system than you were expecting at this old dingy junkyard. And you have about 30 seconds to a minute before the alarm in the junkyard starts going off, alerting everyone to your presence. I let them know that. I say, uh, you guys have about 30, 29, 28, <laughs> 27. To what? I, I don't know. They know. 26, eight, 23. <laughs> I thought you were the hacker. Can't you do anything about that? Well, it's not that easy. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I don't think you guys appreciate 21. 20. All right, like take my gun out and run. <laughs> yep, ditto. Behind the walls of Ryle's reclamation lies a dizzying maze of pistons, motors, body plates, helmets, light tubes, O2 cyclers, and like statuesque landmarks dotting the labyrinth, ships in various states of disassembly and disuse. Towards the far end of the uh, junkyard, you can see the distant shape of heavy machinery like excavators, bulldozers, and shredders. To your immediate left, you can see a low, squat, ugly warehouse building. It doesn't have any lights on, but it looks like that's where any kind of offices or sort of personal workspaces would be. There are big bay doors um, that are closed but could provide entrance and are probably not like as tightly locked as like a human door. Clara says, 15 seconds until the big wee-wee-wee-wee. Captain, what's the play here? Uh, Somebody has to get the keys. I imagine they're in those offices over there and we have to secure the ship 
Leo, can you get the keys? November and I make sure that anybody who sees us doesn't stop us. Roger, Roger. Uh, off I go. Was that a good use of like people's skills? We'll we'll circle back to your um, your annual performance review. <laughs> <laughs> it's a decision you made on a tight timeline with your crew. Yeah, decisive. Doesn't have to be the right decision. It has to be a decision. In fact, it's not going to be the right decision because my job is to make it so that there's no easy decisions for you. Leo, you're standing outside of this this large warehouse, dimly lit, big bay door is what looks like a more like kind of locked technological door uh, to your left. What's the play here? What do you want to do? Yeah, just kick it in. Leo, you kick down the door and you find yourself in this shadowy warehouse. The floor is is open and clear and piled up with other pieces of machinery that are being disassembled, cleaned, evaluated, um, decided if they're going to be assembled or sold on to wholesale buyers. It's uh, a bit chaotic in here. You can see at the far end of the room, there is a single work light that's on above a table and some some scattered trays of equipment. That seems to be the only sign of life around here. And uh, as you kick down the door and start creeping forward, looking to see what's going on, that is when the room becomes flooded with alternating red and white light and the low rumbling siren sound. Um, And you're pretty sure you hear movement coming from deeper within the warehouse. Do I think that the most likely place for our like keys and shit to be is deeper in the warehouse? I should think so. I go straight towards that, that's fine. I'm gonna ask you to make a skulk roll. Okay. Um, but I am going to tell you that because the alarms are on and that whoever is in here is looking for you, this is going to be another desperate action. Okay, what does that mean? That means that uh, even if you score a success, you won't be able to like insta-kill, no-scope everyone in the building. And it also means that you can uh, mark an experience point in prowess. Okay, five. Okay. So you are going to get there but take a consequence. I'm gonna start a clock. Yeah, Jerry. I know how much how fucking obsessed you are with clocks. It's clock um, time, baby. It's clock time, baby. The clock is going to be a six-segment clock, and it's going to be called um, Ryle. Ryle being the owner of the junk shop, I think when he is filled in, when that clock is filled in, he's gonna know exactly where you are and what you're trying to do, and he's gonna be on a direct beeline to stop it. Let's say that he was either like out to town on business. Maybe he just got the alarm in his home. Um, and so he's making his way back as quickly as he can. And what this clock means is that, um, A, when it's filled in, it's gonna happen. And B, when you do things like fail rolls or ask for devil's bargains, one of the options I can make is segments being filled in on this clock. So because Jordan just rolled a mixed success, he is gonna stealthily make it through, um, but it's gonna take a little bit of time to avoid any uh, encounters as he makes his way through the workshop floor. And so two segments on the Ryle clock are gonna be filled in. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is Ryle gonna do? I don't give a shit. <laughs> okay. Okay, I make it. You make it. You find yourself at uh, kind of hunched down behind the table in this one kind of workstation that's still on. And it does look like with uh, a kind of nicer antique desk kind of jammed in the corner with a big leather chair, that this is Ryle's sort of pseudo office. He has his personal terminal open and on. You see a bunch of drawers and in the corner behind the chair, you actually see something tempting, uh, a large square metal vault. Ooh, go for it. And when you are rifling through the drawers, 
you do in fact see the key to the houndstooth is glinting in the lamplight when you pull open the drawers of this desk. Okay, I'm assuming that vault's closed. It's one of those closed vaults. <laughs> right. That, yeah, Famous I mean, as uh, nice as that is, uh, I take the keys and get out of there. Okay. What am I uh, going to do? Sit there and try and crack a vault that I don't know how to do? Yes. Okay, I think when you grab the key and start moving out, um, that is when finally a couple of the warehouse workers catch you as you're making your way back. One of them kind of stumbles out from behind uh, a big workstation and says, oh shit, and reaches for his blaster. He looks surprised to see you. Um, and you can hear the sound of someone kind of asking after him further on in the darkness. What do you do? Uh, I reach into my coat, I pull out uh, a detonator and I hold it up with my hands raised and I say, all right, look, buddy, it's just your job here, okay? Place is rigged to blow. All I got is these keys and I jangle them in the other hands. Just gonna take them and leave. Your nice, fancy, shiny vault there, untouched. All right, so uh, I'll be seeing you later. Bye-bye, and I, and, I, and I go. I'm gonna ask you to make a, a command roll here as you try to sort of intimidate your way past this guy. Okay, I'll push myself. And you know what? I earned a gambit. I earned using one. <laughs> okay. Five. All right. You hold up his detonator uh, and the guy's eyes lock onto it. He has no idea who you are or what it is you're trying to do. You just kind of want to bluff him and sort of run past? Yeah, and also like, you know, trying to get, if there's anybody else, same deal, just try and basically disarm people in the room for the most part and just make it so I have a clear line out. Okay, yeah, I think uh, you are going to be able to clear back out the warehouse, but um, I think being spotted and not doing anything to physically stop those employees is going to be another big pull on this clock. I think we're actually going to bump it up another two segments as you uh, make a trail out and you hear the people behind you shouting, what the fuck's going on? Get Ryle! Get Ryle here now! Uh, and you burst out into the junkyard. Meanwhile, November, Sheena, and Clara are doing what exactly? Finding this ship, right? So I think you are leading a group action. So here's what's happening for a group action. Scum and villainy, new mechanic alert. Everyone who's participating rolls the action. The single best uh, result counts as the result for everyone. But the flip side is that for any failure, one to three, you each take a point of stress. So do you guys want to do a group study action to find this ship? Study. Does anybody have that? I have one. I failed. Can we spend a gambit? Can you do that on teamwork? You can use gambits on group actions. Amazing. One of you gets to roll an additional dice. A five? Yeah. A six and a one. So we got a complete success, but we everyone's going to take two stress from the two failures. So uh, you took some stress, but it was uh, maybe the best call because with covering the entire junkyard with the three of you, you're able to locate the ship fairly quickly. Obviously, it's not far from the front. They just took the ship in and kind of dropped it off. It is parked behind a bank of generators that are supplying power to the facility. Shayna, you tell me how you feel when you sort of round the corner and you see the houndstooth gleaming in the moonlight. I feel probably a wave of relief, followed by a gotta turn around and defend this thing, because I'm sure there are people coming up behind me. Oh, are there? Yeah, it's at this point that... Um, your searching has attracted some attention and uh, another reclamation employee is behind you 
uh, hands shaky on a blaster and says, uh, hands where I can see him to the three of you. I put my hands up. My blasters are in, is in hand, though. Your blasters in your hand? Yeah. What are, you, what are you doing here? Get out of here. They look like they are not particularly trained on um, accosting uh, interlopers, more that they are just someone who's here working the night shift. Um, they're constantly flipping the gun between the three of you, which I think they think they're supposed to mm-hmm. do. Do you really want to be threatening us? Kind of outnumbered. Outnumbered? I, I have a gun. Oh, do you? So do we. If, if you take one step, if you try anything, I'll blast you full of holes. Oh, I'd love to see you try. I'm feeling pretty confident that I can put my hands down and aim my gun at him. Are you going to aim or are you going to shoot? I'm probably going to shoot because if I aim, I got to shoot. And that's that's the situation I'm in. You've been reading the fundamentals of laser <laughs> blasters document that I sent you. You got to aim, you got to shoot. Okay, roll to scrap with this guard. Can you give me a devil's bargain? Hmm. I think if you if you want that extra dice... And this one's just going to happen if you shoot this person, uh, regardless of what happens next. Um, it's going to fill up the rile clock. That's fine. I feel like that was going to happen regardless. Okay. I only get one. It's a three. That's you tried. Three. The front gate of the uh, junkyard is starting to slowly swing open and you can hear some heated voices outside. I think uh, Ryle is about to reclaim his rightful throne at Ryle's reclamations. And you take the shot, and this person is emboldened to shoot you back. And because you you whiffed pretty hard, they do land a shot on you. And so you are going to take level two harm. And this is something that you can resist if you wish to do. Yeah, so if I get level two harm, then I lose a dice on every roll going forward, right? Every roll that would reasonably be affected by getting shot, by having like a laser gun shot, which is most of them, you're right. Okay, so I do want to take the stress. Do you have to, like, roll to resist stress? Like, is that also a chance thing? You do roll to resist stress. How much stress do you have to re- I have one, two, three, four, five left. Okay. That's not terrible. So resistance rolls always succeed. When you choose to resist, you are resisting the thing that's happening. Um, and what the die roll is determining, as we've noted, is how much stress you are taking as a result. So because this is, like, a physical situation... You are going to roll with your prowess attribute. And so the number of dice you're rolling is all of the first triangles you have in prowess. You see how, like, there's a line after the first triangle? Okay, so I have one, I think. You're still going to get shot if you make this, if you do this. Um, what will happen is that we'll bump it down to a lesser level one harm. And so it won't have as big effect on you for later rolls. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. Aww. One. So you take five points of stress. I max out. Damn. You're, you max? This ain't it today. Oh, girl. Does that mean I have to take trauma? You are you are at nine out of nine, yes? Yeah. When a PC marks their last stress box. Oh, that did happen to you. You're traumatized. It? Cool. You've suffered you've suffered trauma. Surprise. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, what are they? Um, so you are going to circle one of the trauma conditions that are next to the little trauma tracker which are cold, haunted, obsessed, paranoid, reckless, soft, unstable, vicious. You're also going to be like um out of the like out of the shit. Bye. Okay, good night. <laughs> you're you're good night. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Um reckless or paranoid? I think what you did was like kind of based out of thinking you were like a hot shot um and you got shot. Yeah. 
So reckless seems a like the vibe shot, for that. Hot shot. Reckless. To summarize, uh, Captain Shayna Silver reaches for her blaster and uh, attempts to overcome the guard who is standing between them and the ship. But when she fires, she misses. And this freaked out guard who, I think the lesson of this episode, if we can have one, is don't <laughs> startle people who are walking around with big guns and are scared. She she gets you square in the chest. You are flung back into a pile of scrap and you hear some pretty unpleasant sounds, November and Clara, as Shayna lands bodily on a pile of jagged metal. Um, she's unconscious, she's not moving, and this guard screams. As well, the Ryle clock has filled up, the gate is opening, and Ryle is coming in. Things are looking, oh, suddenly pretty bad. One bright light is that you see in the distance a blur of a figure sprinting across the junkyard toward you. It's Leo, and you can see what you hope to be the glint of the light of the metal keys in his hand. He runs up and Leo, as you do, you see uh, headlights flood across all of you standing there caught like the scoundrel dastardly criminals you are in the middle of this junkyard as this huge tank-like armored Jeep rolls up with Ryle in it. You can see that it has a uh, machine gun mounted to the side. Jesus. This guy means business and you are caught in his headlights Shayna unconscious on a pile of metal about 30-40 feet away from the entrance to the ship what do you do? I wanna hack I guess Jeeves is back right? Yep Jeeves is huddling around you he's going I'm sorry Jeeves just one more thing and we're home I want to kind of peek around look left and right for um some sort of heavy machinery, maybe something else that they wanted to sell and flip that looks valuable and big and heavy. And I want to try to hack that. I think there is a big kind of mobile portable shredder that's just for chewing up large amounts of scrap metal. The access panel is dinged pretty bad and clearly the lock doesn't work on it anymore. Okay. I want to send Jeeves over there and I'm gonna try to roll hack and I wanna time it so that like it's when Leo gets close enough that we can all kind of just like sprint. Okay, then you are going to roll to hack. Do you want to increase your chances of success by pushing yourself or taking a gambit or anything? I do want to push myself. Bye. Okay, you send Jeeves over to this uh, access panel and what do you tell him? Make it go haywire. Jeeves flies over to this portable shredder and he starts uh, bleeping and blinking as the access panel uh, falls off and he starts getting into the network and rat's nest of wires beneath. Suddenly, as you are all panicked as the headlights of Ryle's armored tank truck uh, flooded on you, Ryle's equally surprised as the lights on this shredder roar into life and the engine starts rumbling beneath him. The wheels start churning up the dust and the gravel beneath the uh, surface of the junkyard. And then suddenly as Jeeves flies away, this thing shoots forward, big lumbering with its grinding shredder teeth roaring in the pitch black night. And just as the uh, gun on the side of Ryle's Jeep starts to uh, set a spray of bullets across of you, the shredder smashes into it and the angle goes wild and it just starts shooting and tearing up the night sky. Uh, Leo, I'm assuming at this point that you are attempting to use the keys to board the ship. Uh, if, hey, if I can get there and there's a shot for that, absolutely. 
the ramp starts to descend with a heavy whir. You hear the door of the Jeep open and Ryle step out and he has a blaster and he's gonna start firing at all of you just wildly. Um, I think the ramp's open. I think you can make it there, but if you are going to, what's gonna happen to Shayna? I would like to go get her. You wanna get Shayna November? I do. Okay, I think if you do, you will have to make a scramble, and if you fail, you're going to get some pretty nasty uh, FaceTime with Ryle's blaster. Um, I will push myself. Uh, I have two in scramble, so I'm rolling three dice. One of them is a six. Uh, November, you take on a bit of extra stress. You grit your teeth, and uh, you charge forward, and you get your arms around Shayna's ankles, and you just pull her down from this pile of scrap. It's not the most elegant or medical way to treat someone uh but times are tough and even as you do you see like jets of green light bounce against piles of scrap where she just was luckily the shredder knocking into the tank also moved the position of the headlights so after a few feet you're under cover of darkness and you can pick shana up throw her over your shoulder and start staggering back towards the ship where leo and clara are beckoning you onto the ramp You make it on, and the ship closes up excruciatingly slowly, but fast enough that none of Ryle or his lackeys manage to get on, and you're you're bringing Shayna's unconscious body up to the lounge, probably. You need to fly to get out of here. Can the rest of you fly the ship? Can any of you? I was about to say, I'm at the helm, and I barely know what I'm doing. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Use that last gambit. And I'm 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 just going to go from what I've cursory seen other people flying and being like, I could do that. (laughs) And go for it. That's absolutely a helm roll. Right. Uh, I'm going to take stress and use a gambit. Okay. Can Clara assist? Yes. How would you like to assist Clara? Can I just kind of like press some of the right buttons? Like maybe I don't have the technical ability to helm the actual ship, but I know this is the blasters and I know not to press this and I know. You are just going to flat take a stress and then you give uh, Leo an extra die to roll. And if any consequences happen, you're also going to suffer. So if Leo takes harm as a result of this roll, you would also show that. I will tell you what the buttons are that I know. I'll say this one goes fast. This one goes faster. That kind of like. Well, uh, I got three, three, and then I suppose as my finger hovered over the wrong button, you said something because I got a five on the last one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, walk faster. Oh, faster. Oh, you said faster. <laughs> yeah, Leo, I think it's it's with real true panic and Clara muttering stuff in your ear, the body of your captain in the lounge behind you that you look down at this absolutely dizzying array of buttons and switches that you've seen Shayna activate so many times, but are so needlessly stupid and complicated. Um, you get the lights on, you get the engine on, and you are trying to figure out how to lift the landing gear. You know, the classic, if we're getting shot at and escaping and whatnot, I think that all this stress situation, I think is an apt time for uh, Leo to begin losing consciousness from his implants. Oh no. Leo, you are flicking these switches as quickly as you can and trying to figure out what to do. And then with an, a cold panic that grips your heart, your vision starts to swim and these buttons start to blur in front of your eyes and you can feel it happening again, the same rushing through your chest, the same tightness in your throat. You are squinting, just trying to focus enough to press the buttons to get the goddamn ship into the sky. And 
Clara makes some suggestion to you. You can barely hear what she's saying. You slam a button and then you get slammed. You fall backwards onto the bridge of the ship, almost crushing Jeeves, who flies out of the way with an indignant... And with a half-dead skeleton crew, the hound's tooth rumbles into the air. They've had a pretty hard day just trying to get their ship back and keep flying in Procyon Sector. And the consequence of uh, Leo only rolling a five, mind you, is going to be that uh, Ryle gets his jeep aimed again, and the ship is going to take a not insignificant amount of damage. Yep. You guys have taken one hull damage, and that's going to affect the quality of things like landing or um, having a hull uh, until you take the time to fix it. So yeah, you you all feel, well, the awake ones of you, November and Clara, I suppose, feel the ship shake beneath your feet as uh, Ryle sinks a few parting shots into the belly of the hound's tooth. But it's only a few seconds later that you rise faster and faster into the night sky out of his range. And then suddenly, as you break Atmo as quickly as you can, Clara frantically trying to get some kind of control over the ship, that instead of the dust and dirt and crap of Calliope, the accursed moon that has been ruining your day, instead the ship is surrounded by a field of stars and moons swirling all around it. The peace and safety afforded to you by a life on the outskirts of Procyon Sector floods in through all of the windows and all of you for maybe just a split second breathe a little bit easier. And then the ship takes off, it's out of the world, and you are on to the next part of your adventure. Hey Realmers, thank you for listening to the first episode of season four of this show. <laughs> Honestly, when we first started Many Realms, we wanted to just see what kind of stuff we could make together, and I'm so proud of how far the cast and the show have come. Thank you for being part of this project with us. As always, if you like the show, it would mean a lot to us if you shouted us out on social media or in real life to your friends to help spread word about the show. And if you've enjoyed the stories we've been telling for the past couple of years, or you just got here but you're like an eccentric billionaire, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash many realms. We put out so much content there, like a blooper reel for each episode, GM notes, behind the scenes stuff, occasionally bonus episodes completely. Um, if you haven't taken a look yet, you should. That's everything for me. Get ready for some more adventures with Shayna, Clara, Leo, and November in two weeks. Bye.